Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up, Shoeclaw. On this Tuesday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Ernsey, what's going on? Oh, rocking and rolling on a Tuesday. How about you? What's going uh, on? Same thing, my friend. Same thing. Are Getting you? ready for the big trade deadline. Looking at all these rumors that are coming out. Uh, so I know. There's tons of them, isn't there? Tons of Espo them. tweeting me about, can you shoot this one down? The newest <laughs> one that's out there. I saw that. He's begging you. He's begging you to shoot down the one that suggests yeah. DeAndre Ayton is going to the Dallas Mavericks for Christian Wood and somebody yeah. else. I can't remember. I just who, talked yeah. to uh, I just talked to somebody on DeAndre's side of it and said, "Listen," and the guy said, "Listen, I know Dallas." The, uh, he said, "Dallas does love Aiton, but Phoenix isn't trading Da." That's from the Da side. But I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to work on that one. I doubt it, um, but I'll 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 end up getting you know confirmation soon. You so. know what you should do? I think we'll work I, on that. I, I think you should do what Aaron Rodgers is gonna do. I, I have you seen what Aaron Rodgers is gonna do to contemplate his future in the National Football League? I think you should do this. Before what is Aaron Rodgers going to do? He's going to put it on Twitter? Yeah, no, he's, he's, so he was on the Pat McAfee show, and he is going to go in a darkness retreat. He goes into a little house for four days and four nights, complete darkness the whole time, just himself, and he's going to use these four days in total darkness to contemplate his future in the National Hello, Football League. darkness, my old friend. <laughs> Apparently, that's Come how this is going to work. with you again. Quotes, that's why I think it's going to be important to get through this week and take my isolation retreat and contemplate all things related to my future, Rogers said. Rogers spent... Where does he go? I don't know. He said he's going to spend four days and nights in total darkness and isolation on his retreat, which he said can lead to hallucinations. That'll give him an opportunity to do a little self-reflection and some isolation, and after that, I, mean, I, I feel th- like I'll be a lot closer to my final decision. I think the only place you could go right now where there's like total darkness is the North Pole. Well, you, you, you could go into a house that's like all blacked out, right? And not leave the house. You could do that. I mean, just go yeah. But in. if you want to go somewhere where there's like like live in total darkness, I I think right now I think the North Pole has total. Or Alaska darkness. gets pretty dark during the winter. I've I heard think they, they get a little sun. I've been to they? I've been to Alaska in the winter. You, there is light for four or five hours, and then it, you know it gets dark because we went to go see the Northern Lights in Alaska. Loved it, but it does. Uh, I've been in Finland in the winter. Same thing in Finland. Like it's it's light out for six hours, but then like you get you you get a lot of darkness. And and then the sun really never comes up. You just see like um, it's like twilight the whole time, like a right? purple pink sky, but you yeah. never see the sun come up. Yeah, so it's light, but you don't see the sun. It's just not above the horizon. For the record, it's I, pretty cool. I'm sure it is. <laughs> for the record, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's talking about staying indoors for this and just having uh, okay. blackout shades the whole time. But yeah, that's what he's going to do to use that to contemplate his future. No need for us to do that here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're as clear as day when it comes to our top story of the day. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. 
Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Press release just came out, whoa, about 12 minutes ago. Matt Ishbia assumes controlling ownership interests of the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. He was approved by a 29 to vote, 29 to nothing vote last night. Today, the financials were officially approved. The money has cleared. The check is not going to bounce. Matt Ishbia is now the controlling owner of the Phoenix Suns, along with his brother, Justin. 57% of the Suns when it's all said and done, as you had reported yesterday, Gambo. Yes, 57%. I had a breakdown of what... It's, it's only Robert Sauber sold his entire percentage of the Suns, 37%. He ends up with about $1.48 billion is what he, he ends up with. So Robert sold his 37% stake in the team. If you do the math, it comes to $1.48 billion. Now he'll obviously taxes. There's one other company that sold their entire stake. It's a company called Dial Home Court Partners. They've sold their entire stake of 6%. There are three shareholders that are not selling any of their shares. Andy Kohlberg, who owns 10%. John Najafi, who owns 8%. And Scott Selber, who owns 4%. This information is not out there in public. So we, I am giving it to you, but it is not public. The remaining partners are selling somewhere between 25 and like 35 percent of their stakes are a little bit different but um so the, the rest of the remaining partners are selling a percentage of their stakes but not a full percentage so everybody is staying on except for robert sarver and dial home court partners yeah. everybody you know sub three people stayed in a hundred percent and everyone else that's a partner they sold off a portion of their stakes and kept a portion of their stakes quote this and that is again that's not out there nobody knows that but just good to good to let people know in case they will wonder. Quote, this is the culmination of a lifelong dream. I love the game of basketball deeply, but it's so much more than that for me. Throughout my life, basketball has given me a second family and education and so much joy. I am honored to be the next steward of this community's franchises in the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury and am totally committed to building an incredible organization on and off the floor. In a follow-up email, and that's a close quote, by the way, follow-up email, the Phoenix Suns announced that the press conference to introduce Matt Ishbia will be tomorrow at 11.30 in the morning. Obviously, we'll be carrying that live here on Arizona Sports, and clearly that's going to be our top story of the day tomorrow because starting tomorrow, we will start to get answers on Matt Ishbia. I mean, beyond the controlling interest and the money and all that stuff, the big thing we want to know is how different is he going to be from Robert Sarver? Now, culturally, in terms of the organization, obviously he's going to be very different since Robert was basically forced out of the organization given everything that had gone on there for the last decade, decade plus under his ownership. Certainly the resignation of Jason Rowley speaks to that and certainly organizationally he's going to come in and really try to change the culture. I don't want to minimize that Gambo, but I think with the trade deadline on Thursday, we're very interested in that and what exactly his intentions are with the basketball product. How aggressive is he going to be? What does he look to do to put his stamp 
leadership on this team in the early days of his new administration. Yeah, there's no question. That's what we're all waiting to see. What what will he do? What what kind of again? I think more than anything, you know, you you support Monty and James. You make your changes in the front office. You make sure you have the right president in place. You get the right people. You got to build the culture, and you'll build the culture. He's big on culture. He's a very big culture guy, um, and he's big on he's big on that. So he'll build that, and he'll build that with people that he knows and people he trusts. So I expect that there will be a lot of turnover, a lot of change in the organization. Some may come right away, and some may come in the summer. But I think initially, I don't think he'll very mess with much of the basketball operations. I think he'll just support. And I've said that all all along. Just what can I do to help? What can I do to assist? What what do we need to do? And and of course, lay out a financial plan. Like here's here's what we're willing to do. Here's where we're willing to go. Like you know here here is the budget. It's not like you know can, can you go to fifty million over? Can you go to sixty million over? Can you go to seventy million over? What 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 will it take? So I think he'll be very active in making sure that James Jones understands what the structure is on what the budget is for the Phoenix Suns for right now and then for the summer as well because that will also affect it. Yeah, I just I, I don't. There's part of me and I hear what you're saying. There is part of me that wonders if he's going to be more aggressive than that in the early days. I, I get supporting James. I get supporting Monty. Do you think? And I, I'm just thinking out loud here. Go ahead. Does he push James Jones maybe out of his comfort zone a little? You know, James Jones historically doesn't do a whole lot at the trade deadline. James Jones historically kind of trusts what he's got in place. Does Matt Ishbia stand back and let James Jones do his thing because James Jones has been doing his thing for the last couple of years? Or does he give James a little bit of a nudge, maybe encouragement, maybe even a little stronger than encouragement? Like, no, really, I, I want you to do something at the deadline here that's really going to change kind of the structure of this basketball team, whereas maybe you wouldn't have done something before. I really wanted you to encourage you to do something bold about this. That That's that's where I'm, because the way you're describing it almost is like he's just going to stand back and let it all be. And, and I, I just, I don't know if somebody who's been waiting his whole life to own an NBA team, if he's just going to stand back and let it all be in but the first the few rush? days. what's the rush? I mean, what's the rush? The trade deadline is the rush. It's on Thursday. Okay, okay but I mean. That's the rush. You're going to be the owner of this team for a long time. You don't want to make a, you don't want to make a mistake right away. No, you wanna... but you also, if you have a window to win a championship, you want to take advantage of that as well. You don't want to just sit around and watch it go. You don't want to just watch right, it pass but, you by. Right, but he, usually, but but that would be a meddling, interfering owner. Like, well, that. that's what he would be. If he's coming in and said, I want you to do this, then, you know, I, I don't think that's going to blow, blow over real well with James Jones. I, I think he's got to, okay, you know, I'm willing to go for it. I'm willing to spend. What are the moves you think we can make to, to get there? And you let James decide if there's a move to make or not. You know, because James has, uh, you know, James has his idea of what he's going to do with the organization. And the GM is ultimately going to do that. And so I don't think as an owner, you come in and say, listen, I don't care what you want to do. I want you to trade everything you can for this guy. Sure, sure. I don't think you do that. I mean, and, and, And you bringing that up brings up a real good point. There's a real fine line between being an aggressive owner and being a meddling owner, right? I mean, that's a really fine distinction between those two where there's a lot of gray area in between. Is he being aggressive or is he being meddling? Is he? And I have no idea what he's going to do, but that to me is kind of the line that because he's going to want to be aggressive, man. He's he, they they push this thing through to get it done before the trade deadline for a reason. They wanted him in a position to sign off on these decisions for a reason. Is it meddling or is it being aggressive? That's the tone I'm looking for him in these first 48 hours.
I want to see how he handles that. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I don't know how he's going to handle it. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to the press conference because I think a lot exactly. of these a lot of these questions that we all have, I think he I will get all the answers tomorrow, I'm sure. Yeah, you would think so. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Mike Kafka is one of the finalists for the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job. We need some more information about him. We're going to go to New York and get some next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. And then there were two candidates for the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job. Of course, we are talking about Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator from the Bengals, and Mike Kafka, who is the offensive coordinator for the Giants. Gambo was reporting on Friday that Kafka did really, really well in his interview, and he, along with Anarumo, and then Brian Flores, got a third interview. Flores obviously not taking the job. He's going to the Minnesota to be their defensive coordinator. So if it's down to two, trying to get to know as much about both of them as we possibly can. Gambo and joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. He's the beat writer and NFL columnist for the New York Daily News. He's been with the New York Daily News for 10 years. I believe he's been on the Giants beat for the last six or seven years. Pat Leonard joining us here on the Burns and Gambo show. Pat, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show. We appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Dave and Gambo. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, we'd love to just get you, uh, pick your brain and just see what you think about Mike Kafka. I mean, obviously, young kid, 35 years old, but coming from that Andy Reid tree and then what he did in New York with Daniel Jones this year to get that offense turned around, seems like he's a really bright offensive mind. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, it's not hard to look at the work he just did with Daniel Jones and this Giants offense and roster and project optimistically what he could do to revitalize Kyler Murray once he's back on the field and the Arizona offense. Really just a guy who didn't look at the Giants offense and say, what what I don't have here, he looked at it and said, what do we do well? What does Jones do well that I can accentuate? And even though it was Brian Dable's offense, Dable and Kafka collaborated to to really implement and include a lot of the types of motions and creativity that he learned both as a player and then as a staffer with Andy Reid in Kansas City. Just a really smart, steady guy. And you hit right, you hit the nail right on the head, though. I mean, in the Giants land, you know, an offensive acumen has been severely lacking here for a while for the most part. And not just Dable, but Kafka, too, were a major part of the Giants' with a roster that was much worse than a lot of other teams around the league, not only looking functional, but being a playoff team. No, trust me, I'm a Giants fan from back when I was a sports writer for Newsday for a long, you know, for a while. So Phil Simms, Bavaro, the two championships, the Giants always won with you know, good, good running game and good defense. But, you know, you saw the Minnesota game. And you saw Daniel Jones almost play a perfect game, just an, almost a perfect game. And, and Barkley was real good in that game, too. But his ability to get you know, Isaiah Hodgins involved and Slayton involved and even using Barkley in a passing game, it does look like he's got that ability. Uh, to. And this is what we need out of Kyla Murray, the ability to, to, to go through your reads, go through your progressions, and, and, and make the right decision. Is that something that Jones had, or is that something that Kafka helped him with? I think he helped him. No, that's a great question. I think talking to the players throughout the season, especially kind of midway through when 
it really started to become clear, okay, this is different. What we're watching is different. You could tell and you could hear from players that the, the plays you watched on the field looked more complex than they were, which is to say Kafka and Dable installed a lot of core concepts that the team kind of practiced and got right. But then they were able to get to those same concepts and plays and if they wanted to target a certain player or take advantage of a specific matchup, they could do it through a lot of different types of formations. A great example would be, you know, trying to throw the ball to Saquon Barkley against the linebacking court at suspect, running it as a screen out of the backfield, and then maybe lining Saquon up as a slot receiver in a stack formation and still getting him to the same spot with the ball in space. And, what you're hitting on is the fact that Kafka not only accomplished that, but was able to do that for all these different targets throughout the field. And I think, you know, accentuating Jones's running ability, it wasn't just about taking advantage of a mobile quarterback. It was about giving Daniel ownership of another piece of the game that could open up those passing lanes and give him easier throws, easier completions. Um, really just, you know, you think about if you sit down to study for a, t- a test as a student, how do you stu- how do you do how do you get the A without making it too hard on yourself? Right? It's not just about doing it right; it's about doing it efficiently and doing it so that it works for you. So um, that was kind of what it was: doing it smartly and doing it so that it looks confusing to a defense. But for the offense, those course of concepts stand out. Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News, Giants beat writer, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show as we're getting some intel on uh, Mike Kafka, uh, whether he ends up being the next head coach of the Cardinals or not, we'll see. That The question I have for you, Pat, we've, having just done the, you know, kind of brilliant offensive mind first time head coach thing with Cliff for the last four years to varying degrees of success. Uh, what per- personality wise, I, I use that phrase very loosely when I say that by the way personality wise how is mike set up to be a head coach in this league is is he alpha male is he more studious is he more intellectual is he is he going to command the room from that element of it how do you think he is prepared to be a coach in this league yeah that's my only question about him honestly um and i don't mean that in a negative way i just mean but you know here in new york this season Every time the coordinator stepped to the podium, Don Martindale stood up there and he basically gave a head coach press conference. He talked about how great the fans were. He um, previewed the other team with his scouting report. He kind of projected his voice, his bombastic, you know, and friendly and cracking jokes. Kafka sounded more like um, a studious intellectual, as you put it, who was trying to keep his head down not act like anything other than what he was, which was a a cog in the wheel of the operation. So I think humility was what stood out to me there. But conversely, you sit there and you wonder, because I knew coming into this year, if he had a great season and the Giants had a great season, he was going to be a strong head coaching candidate. So I spent a lot of the season watching him thinking, if he's standing in front of a room full of 90 players at the start of training camp, can he do that? Right? And I think... I think people would appreciate that he's honest and direct. He's definitely not a BSer. Like, I think what you see is what you get from Mike, which is, from my experience, all that players want, no matter what your personality is. They want to know that you're telling them the truth and that, you know, you're not telling them one thing and then going behind their back and telling somebody something else. Um, But I do wonder about, you know, 
Is Mike, um, you know, or what is he even going to sound like when the doors close on the locker room and it's his team? Because, frankly, he just did not betray that, uh, that personality trait once throughout this season. But similar to some other great coaches, it, it seemed to me like that was calculated and there was a reason behind him doing that. It wasn't like he couldn't do the other thing. It was just that he was playing his part, probably not trying to step on Brian Dable's toes as well. Yeah. All right, well, Pat, we appreciate the information, the conversation. Uh, we might circle back to you again if this thing happens sometime in the next few days or not, but we appreciate you coming on for a few and giving us uh, some information about Mike. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Got it. Thank you. Pat Leonard joining us, New York Daily News, Giants beat writer, NFL columnist here on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we just got the New York insight on the Cardinals candidate for head coach Mike Kafka. But one of the quarterbacks here in town had a very close relationship with him. We'll let you hear what Patrick Mahomes said about Kafka next on the Burns and Gambo show. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Interesting quote there from the new owner, Matt Ishbia, about how involved he'll be and yet the belief that there's a championship roster right now if they don't do anything in the next two days with the trade deadline Pressure's on. Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, these next 48 hours, man, when's the deadline? It's Thursday at 1 o'clock Arizona time, I believe. So yeah, in the next 47 hours, pressure's on, Gambo. You're right. No doubt about it. Let's get an update on our uh, Twitter poll question today. I have no idea what it is today. Here's Eric to tell us all about it. Well, it does tie into that February 9th trade deadline that is quickly approaching. Matt Ishbia told AP's Tim Reynolds that they are going to be highly active, but just how active do you guys think they're going to be? The question today is how many deals will the Phoenix Suns be involved in when it's all said and done? You got three options. Zero, one, or two plus. Oh, it's easy. Two plus. Without a, not even a second thought. Don't even have to hesitate. It's going to be more than one. Yeah. So is it two or two plus? Because there's no option for two, is there? No, no, it's it's just two plus because the way that we broke it down, Mitch and I talked about it, is no moves, just a Jay Crowder move, or they do something extra. They do Jay Crowder plus. And, and that's yeah, why two plus. Yeah, and that's to me why it was an easy one because it's it's not going to be zero. They're going to move Jay. It's not going to be. It could be one, and Jay's the only thing they do. I have to believe they're going to do something else. I just, I just have to. Um, I'd be, and maybe that's just me projecting my own feelings on it. I'd be very disappointed if they don't do anything else at all. So I'm going to say two plus. No. Both of you rolling with two plus. That's actually in last place right what? now. What? Leading the way significantly, might I add, at 49.5% is one trade, basically just a Jay Crowder trade, in second place. People think 27.2% of people think there'll be zero Suns moves by the deadline. And 23.3% thinks it'll be two plus. I mean, did they, they, they're going to trade Jay Crowder. Gonna, You'd hope. Yeah, they're going to yeah, I mean, you're going to trade Jay. Mm-hmm. It's going to be at least one when it's all said and done. Um, it's just a question of whether they do more. Okay, it, the, a, a predictable question with unpredictable results. I wasn't exactly expecting that. Um, 
But yes, Matt Ishbia, if you're just tuning in, he has cleared the final hurdle of his ownership of the Phoenix Suns. Got financial approval today. Press release came out from the Phoenix Suns today. Press conference tomorrow, 1130 in the morning to introduce Matt Ishbia as the new owner of the Phoenix Suns. And I can't wait to hear what he has to say, Gambo. Can't wait. Just like I couldn't wait to hear what Patrick Mahomes had to say about Mike Kafka and what kind of selection he would be for the Cardinals as a head coach. Coach Kafka is a special person and a special coach, and uh, he, he kind of took me when he first got here. He was quality quality control, and that was my first year as a rookie. And so I spent a lot of hours with Coach Kafka, where he was teaching me the playbook and teaching me how to become a quarterback in the NFL. Um, and that continued for a long time. And I knew right when he left here, he was going to be a head coach somewhere soon. And so uh, I know he's down there in Arizona, and if he gets hired there, he'll he'll get that place turned around. And uh, it's a uh, he's a great he's a great coach and a great person as well. So I'm excited for him. There you go. That's a ringing endorsement right there. It's ringing, all right. Yes. Yeah. No, it's a good. I mean, I you you'd be surprised if he said something negative about him. That's not usually how this works. But at the same time, that was pretty glowing. And, and we're going to get into this specifically a little bit later. I got to admit, there is something about hiring off of the Andy Reid coaching tree that is very intriguing. There have been a lot of successful names to come off of the Andy Reid coaching tree. Yeah. Listen, I mean. I was hopeful that they would hire a, a head coach with with uh, with experience, and that's not going to be the case. So this is going to be the third go round now where they hire, you know, an inexperienced head coach, somebody who's never been a head coach before. Look, sometimes those things work out, and sometimes they don't. So um, I'm, I'm a little disturbed by the amount of people that have turned down the Arizona Cardinals, the Flores thing yesterday. Florida, yes, we're, we're at Radio Row yesterday, floored by the Brian Flores is doing what? Mm-hmm. He's taking the DC, but he's got an interview to be a head coach of the Cardinals. He's going to take the D.C. job at Minnesota? Like, it just didn't make any sense. Like, it was like two and two doesn't add up to four. Like, you could be, you have a chance to be a head coach. Like, you should have an advantage over the other two candidates. You've been a head coach. You've had success. You've got it. You've got a relationship with Monty Austin for it. Like, you should probably be the front runner for the job. And for him to take the, D- the D.C. job in Minnesota, I'm just floored by that. I was just like, <laughs> with a head. I just didn't, like, you know, like two plus two is not four. It's five or three or so. So we weren't blown away by that. So now but you, you do the best you can. You've got two candidates. It's a hell of a lot easier to hire an offensive guy and then go get a D.C. than it is to hire a defensive guy and then go get an offensive coordinator. That's just the truth. It is. And, and you do have Vance Joseph here. And Mike Kafka does not have, you know, all this experience where he's been in a league for 15 years. He knows everybody and he can put a staff together. So he might need some assistance in putting a staff together, which would lead to Vance staying on as defensive coordinator if that happens. I I told you Friday before any news was out that Kafka was going to get a second interview, that he was my lead candidate based on information I was hearing. Yeah. That they loved him and they blew him away. Now, I don't know if he's going to get the job or not, but, I mean, it seems to be trending that way. It's hard to tell. I, I mean, it's it's. I think I think it feels like it's trending that way for a couple of reasons. Number one, because the Chiefs are in town, and you've got Patrick Mahomes saying nice things. Uh, you've got Chad Henney saying nice things. You've got Andy Reid saying nice things. And I'm not saying they're not sincere in saying those things, but I think because of that, 
it's easier for Kafka to get a little bit of, of extra attention and extra love because you know, I guarantee if the Cincinnati Bengals were playing in the Super Bowl, Lou Anarumo would be getting a lot of that love right now because he'd be here. He'd be kind of in, in our sights and in front of us. But because the Chiefs are here and because Kafka's kind of rooted with the Chiefs, it's just understandable that people are going to talk about him. Read today... When talking about Kafka, quote, he is a very intelligent, great human being. The quarterback, Kyler Murray, will love him. He'll challenge him to be better than he is even now. But he'll do a great job and challenge the team. The guys will respond, close quote. And again, I wouldn't expect Andy Reid to say bad things about Kafka. That's just kind of not how this works. You, You say nice stuff about him. I would admit, though, that while I don't think he's the lead candidate, it's hard to know who's the lead candidate. There does does feel like there's been some momentum in the last 24 hours because people are saying great things about him and he comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree which is kind of a big deal that's a successful coaches have come off of yeah. that I mean unfortunately for him and it, this is really unfair like he is going to have comparisons to Cliff Kingsbury oh no doubt offensive guy young yep. innovative never been a head coach before he's nothing like Cliff Kingsbury okay nothing like Cliff Kingsbury I mean the guy's been in the NFL working with Patrick Mahomes and Daniel Jones you know not in college so that's, you know, it is an unfair comparison, but people will will draw those comparisons. Young offensive guy, young offensive guy. Never been a head coach, never been a head coach. Quarterback, quarterback. They'll, they'll obviously draw the comparison, yeah. but that doesn't mean they're true. I, I'm sure that my cop is nothing like Cliff Kingsbury. And, and nothing like And it. that's why I asked Pat Leonard a minute ago the question about Kafka's personality, because that's what I want to know. Because that, at the end of the day, that's in part, I think, what did Cliff in a little bit. The coach bro thing and the laid back vibe and everything was relaxed and in the next segment we're going to get into some of the comments that Buda Baker had about training camp this year and how that might have torpedoed the season before it even began right and and that's okay that to me is where the comparisons have to stop you can't if you want to hire another offensive innovator fine if you want to hire another offensive minded coach to get the most out of Kyler Murray fine you can't hire another guy who's got the same personality as Cliff you can't that that that's and if he does, if he's kind of that laid back, easy going dude and, and doesn't really establish himself as the man in the room, then you've hired the wrong guy. You've, you can't make that mistake again if you're the Cardinals. You want to go offense? Go offense. Innovator? Fine. But make sure the guy's got the ability to command the room. Otherwise, the room will walk all over him. And then you've got the same thing you had four years ago with Cliff. You just can't do that again. No. No, and I think uh, listen, I, I don't I don't have a big problem with Vance coming back as a defensive coordinator if it worked out that way. I mean I know some people do, but I like I, I Okay, I if do, I told but... you this, let, let me let me break this down, because here's another way to look at it. Okay. If I told you that the candidate the candidates for head the head coaching job weren't Kafka Anarumo and Flores, but it was Kafka Anarumo and Vance Joseph. Would you have wanted Vance Joseph to be the head coach? No, I would not have. Okay. I would not have. But he's that's a that's a guy with head coaching experience. I know, but I I've I've been very clear from the start that I think they needed to start over completely in both GM and head coaching positions. I never wanted Vance Joseph to get the job. Never.
ever. Yeah. I don't, I don't, and that's not fair to Vance because he might very well be a good head coach again in this league. I, I just felt like the Cardinals needed new. Top to bottom, they needed new. Different voices, different ideas, different thoughts, all of that stuff. And, and I don't think it's a good idea for Vance Joseph to be forced upon Mike Kafka because I think Mike Kafka, I think as much as Vance might be popular in the room, the room needs to see that Kafka's a guy who doesn't need help hiring a staff. The room needs to know that Mike Kafka is a good enough coach on his own that he doesn't need to have his hand held by the organization to pick a defensive coordinator for him. I think that cuts him off at the knees the minute he walks in the door. I, I don't want that. I, I think it's a mistake, a big mistake, to just force feed him a defensive coordinator because it makes it look like your new head coach needs to be force fed. And I think that means he's the wrong guy. If, if that's what you feel like you have to do, then I feel like you're hiring the wrong guy. My belief, you can disagree with it if you want, but that's why I don't like the Vance Joseph idea. I really don't. I, th- I think he's yeah. got to come in with a bold, strong vision of what he wants and not what they think is best for him. I, and if they feel like they've got to do what's best for him, I would wonder if they've got the right guy. I, th- that's my belief on that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's why, like, when I look at Vance, I like Vance as a defensive coordinator. Now, maybe he'll be a head coach someday, but I think that right now I still like Vance as a defensive coordinator. And if he ended up being, you, you, you could do worse than have a defensive coordinator like Vance Joseph. You could. You could. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, first let me remind you, you can join us Thursday, February 9th from 2 until 6 at Safeway, 83rd Avenue in Camelback. It's Coca-Cola's Game Time Rewards. Meet NFL alumni Jay Feely and it'll win over $50,000 in prizes. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete event details. The first opponent the Cardinals faced this season, if you remember, was Kansas City. And one of the Cardinals captains recently said their performance set the press for the entire season. That's coming up next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Admittedly, this story is a day old or so because there were comments made by Buddha over the weekend at the uh, Pro Bowl celebration, of which, by the way, Gamboy did not watch a minute of. Did you watch it? <laughs> she watched the, she watched I big, couldn't tell you who won, uh, AFC or NFC. I believe I, the NFC won. And I, I couldn't know even that tell you who won. Because that was on NFL.com. I think the NFC won. I didn't watch the flag football game. I, I, I just didn't, I didn't catch it. I took, it was the first Sunday with no football since September. I enjoyed every single minute of it. I didn't watch yeah. a flag football game. Um, Buda Baker told NFL.com on Saturday at the Pro Bowl games practice, quote, it's talking about the season. It started with the beginning of the season in training camp and we had a lot of injuries. Quarterback Kyler Murray was sick. We didn't really have a lot of players practicing and doing a lot during training camp, which then, of course, led to that kind of a bleep show week one versus the Kansas City Chiefs. This is all total Buddha. Quote, I definitely felt like we were on the right path. You know, in training camp, it was definitely Definitely startling to not see a lot of the starters practicing and stuff like that. Because I knew, you know, especially with the preseason games, none of us played in the preseason. It's kind of going to be going through training camp. We get to week one. It showed who was prepared. I don't think we were as prepared in the beginning of when it all started than what we could have been, close quote. No, and that was the whole thing, right? I mean, it's like I I would love to see whoever the new coach is. What's your approach to the preseason? season sure. because you know they and I think a lot of it was there was so much emphasis on Cliff Kingsbury's failures in the second half of the season that it was like okay let's go complete reversal 
We'll keep everybody healthy. We're not going to play anybody. We're not going to. We're, we're, nobody's going to get. We're not going to be tired. We're not going to risk any injury. And they didn't play anybody in the preseason. They weren't prepared. They came out and got smoked by Kansas City. And it was. And look, I think we all kind of knew what the deal was. The deal was that they would try and do save the guys so that they could have a better second half of the season. Well, the first half of the season was a disaster. The second half of the season was a disaster. None of it even mattered. You know, so you're better off just playing harder in the preseason. Season getting there, especially Kyler. I mean, you got to get those reps in the preseason. And um, but I mean, I like that Buddha said that because we all look, we all saw it, and we all know the same thing. I mean, that, that's what happened. They weren't ready to play when the season yeah, started. Yeah, no, and I, I do wonder if Buddha is wishing he had said something in the moment. If Buddha in the moment would have been able to affect any kind of change, I don't know if it would have made any difference or not. But it was very obvious from the word go that the the Cardinals just weren't ready. They weren't prepared to play football. Now a lot of teams around the league do the same thing. A lot of teams around the league kind of rest their guys and save their guys and use the first couple of regular season games to get up to speed. But yes, whenever this new coach is hired, be it Anarumo or, or Kafka or whomever, that is going to be one of the first answers. How will you approach training camp? How how I was listening to Lorenzo Alexander. He was on with Wolf and Luke, and he said, "Look, you don't you don't want to swing the pendulum too far to the other side, right? You don't want padded practices every day. You don't want guys destroying themselves in training camp because that's not going to be." Productive. Either, but you want better than what you had last year, and last year was truly camp cupcake for the Cardinals. They did nothing during the preseason. Nobody put in any work. They were saving everybody as best they could, and it blew up on them. And, and I'm look, Buddha's calling him out now. I wonder what Buddha did in the moment, said in the moment, to see if he could have reversed it. Because I don't know. No, I mean, you know, they were trying, like a, you know, like I said, I mean, they were tr- they, they they were trying to reverse a terrible trend. Uh, uh, click Kingsbury failures in the second half and like okay okay uh, hope it works but clearly it clear clearly it didn't work no clearly it didn't speaking of the Cardinals there was um, and I know you're not normally a big fan when people do stuff like this but it is always interesting with the benefit of hindsight ESPN.com today did a redraft of the 2022 NFL draft the one in which the Cardinals traded their first round pick for Hollywood Brown the one in which the Cardinals with their second round pick took Trey McBride the tight end out of out of Colorado. Um, so they said, so you know what? They got all their NFL writers in a room and said, okay, let's do, let's do a redraft. Let's, let's see who would have gone where. Josh Weinfuss, who covers the team for ESPN.com. Uh, this is going to, this is going to grind your gears, Gambo. Um, original pick was actually Kair Elam because the Cardinals traded it and Buffalo moved up and whatever. The new pick in the redraft is that the Cardinals don't trade the pick for Hollywood Brown and instead stay put yep. and take Tyler Linderbaum, center, Iowa. And that's who they would have taken had they not traded the pick. They would have tra- they would have taken Linderbaum. I reported that. I reported that. That's 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 the truth. They would have taken Linderbaum. They loved them. They loved them. But you know, obviously, they felt with Hopkins out, they didn't want to. You know, they were in the playoffs last year. They were trying to make it back to the playoffs, and they figured six games without Hopkins, we you know we're in a lot of trouble. We got to go get a number one guy, and so they got Hollywood Brown. But you know, it just you know it, it ended up backfiring. And right now, man, I'll tell you, you'd rather have a you'd rather have a starting center than you know. A, a, and, and not that Hollywood Brown's not a he's a good player, he's a good but player. man. You'd much rather have the center. And I don't want to be disingenuous here. In the moment, I was all for it. 
In the moment, I don't want to sit here and be hindsight guy and say, oh, it was a terrible idea. In the moment, I fully supported it. I, I thought, yep, go get somebody to make Kyler happy. Yep, go get another weapon at wide receiver. Yep, you haven't had a lot of success drafting anyway, so you might as well use those draft picks to go get established talent as long as you re-sign them. Um, it was flawed thinking. It was flawed thinking because it was it was kind of a desperate Hail Mary to save a season that couldn't be saved. And, and now I don't even know if I want Hollywood Brown back on a long-term contract. Now, I don't think Monty Austin Fort is under any sort of obligation to keep Hollywood Brown. He's not the one who made that trade. He doesn't feel like he should have to pay him if he doesn't right. feel like it's worth it. So, And yes, you would love to have Tyler Linderbaum as your starting center and to know that that's done and that box is checked rather than wasting inventory on a position that you've sent endless resources to in the wide receiver spot. Yeah, hindsight, they should have just stayed put and taken Tyler Linderbaum. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, 100%. Interesting when you do do those redrafts. Uh, yeah. But, and in the second round, they, they liked, they still thought that the Cardinals should have taken McBride, right? Yep. Which I, I think if you had asked Cardinal fans halfway through the season, they would have been like, yeah, no, what are they doing taking a tight end? They had the original pick, Trey McBride, new pick, Trey McBride. And it talked about how the last eight starts, 26 catches, 241 yards, took him a while to get there, but he, I thought he was a good functional part of the offense after the first half of the season or so. I, I'm I'm fine with them getting him. I, I don't know if I like taking a tight end with your first pick in the draft when you've already got some, but I think he'll end up being a useful piece for them moving forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think that he's got some talent. Now, is he going to be Travis Kelsey? You know, is he, is he, is he going to be Kittles? I, I don't know if he'll be that good, but I think, you know, I think when, I think him and Ertz could be a real good combination at, at tight end for them going forward. When we come back, the Suns are back on the hardwood tonight and maybe catching their opponent at the perfect time and certainly looking at themselves in the mirror at the perfect time. Because Book is back next on the Burns and Gambo Show.